As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, This Is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is presented by Racing RVs. Based near Dayton, Ohio, Racing RVs is your source for quality new or used trucks, motorhomes, and trailers. Whether you're buying, selling, or trading, make Racing RVs your first call. In addition, today's podcast is presented by Portatree. I use Portatree products personally to help me become the best racer that I can be. From the Pocket Pal to a full-size national event tree, Portatree has quality products to meet our needs. Use promo code DRAGPOD10 to get 10% off any Portatree orders now through October. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your hosts, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki, and the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. Luke, what's up, bud? It's all about you, Big Jed. This is your moment. This is your time. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about the Great American Bracket Race this week. And I'll be honest, man, I, I feel like anyway, from this seat, do you ever listen to the podcast like after we record? You know, actually, uh, I listen it's sparingly, but I do listen at times. Yes. Okay. I rarely do, but it feels like from this seat right here, like I tend to dominate conversation. Like I feel like I talk a lot. That's not the case this week. Our plan, we talked about this, what, Friday at Memphis. Our plan yeah. was to have the captain of the team that won the All-State Championship, they were going to be our guest this week. Yes. That captain is you, just like you kind of told us it would be. Well, I I did call my shot, so to speak. Big baller shot. 
That's right. So, Jed, <laughs> the floor is yours. With with all, I'm going to give all credit where credit is due. We debated this, and we mutually determined that Alabama was going to be the team to beat back in January. And yeah, you particularly caught a lot of flack for that. Yes, sir. We, uh, that did happen. We, we talked about this a little bit again just a few weeks ago. And while I backed up on it a little bit, you st- <laughs> stood firm and said, Alabama's going to be the team to beat. And you caught a lot of flack for that. Yes, sir. Uh, that did happen. Yes. The dust, you are correct, Luke. The dust has settled. And uh, Alabama was, <laughs> in fact, the team to beat. So without further ado, I'm going to hit mute here. And I'm going to let you tell us about it. Well, you know, there's no real story to tell. First and foremost, I want to congratulate you on coming up with the idea. It was, I don't even know when it was. You tell me what month it was that you came up with the All-State Challenge. And you said, you know, this will be fun to play out on the podcast. And we did. And it was a great time. You know, as we picked the teams or had the team submitted and, and put them all in the race and went through the hypothetical race. Uh, yeah, I was a bit of a homer and thought, you know, it'd make for good conversation and all that other stuff. And, you know, then as the things start playing out and you actually taught me a little bit of how to break these things down and how you should look at the race. And you know, I really thought Alabama could win this thing. And then they did win this thing. So that was all well and good. I got told how crazy I was because of the names that were on the other lists. And in reality, there are some really big names on the list. But I felt like my drivers were as good as any. And then, obviously, we made our picks. Hold I don't on, remember. Is this the part where you tell me that boy, if we ran this race 10 times, there'd be 10 different winners? <laughs> there would Nobody be wants two. to hear that, Jed. Heck, Alabama, baby. I told y'all. Just, just well, go ahead. Tell us. Tell us. It's, it's fine. Let it all out. Well, Luke, I'm trying to remember where Alabama fit in your top five the other week when we picked. I told you. I, I left them off. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> while I have great faith in the team, it, a lot of your team members weren't having the greatest years. Up until... Three weeks ago, Brad Plord wasn't having the greatest year. That's, That's changed. <laughs> that has changed. But it really, we picked our top five. I was a homer again, picked Alabama. Did I think it's a slam dunk? Absolutely not. Did I believe in my team? Yes. But everybody believed in their team or they wouldn't have showed up. So hats off to you for the idea. Hats off to Britt and Galen for making it a reality and bringing it to the great American bracket race. It was really darn cool. I hadn't been to a bracket finals in quite some time, but I can remember that feeling of cheering for people that you go to battle with every week and that you're battling against every week. All state brought a lot of that back. It was really cool. It was a great time. We were very fortunate to come out on top. A lot of teams right up in the mix down to the finals. Unfortunately, we had six or seven go to second round. We got kicked right square in the knees in round number two, and only two of our six advanced. But those were Bones and Brad Plourd, which you know I consider two of the best around. And fortunately, both of those guys went to the final. Bones' run was just a formality after Brad won 890. And I guess Scotty Stillings got beat, and Erica Baker got beat. And Kentucky and Indiana didn't have a chance to pass us. We got the point on North Carolina when Brad won over Danny Waters. So 
Bones did run her up to a red hot, by the way. Chad Duke had a great weekend. You know, was pretty fortunate. I don't think I handled myself, Luke, quite as well as I would like to have handled it. But really? How so? Yeah, you know, I might have. I might have yelled and Alabama wins everything. doesn't matter if it's football or racing. And <laughs> I might have got uh, in a face or two just uh, in fun. But it this, was. Uh, oh, whoa, time. Is this something that you're trying to walk back, Chad? Or are you just letting us know that this happened? Well, I guess I'm apologizing in my, <laughs> in my own little way. That's not the guy I want to be, Luke. I just had a lot of bottled up emotion. I was. Uh, I don't know I was, if I speak for anyone else, Chad, but I think that's the guy I want you to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nobody seemed to be mad at me. I was getting high fived. I mean, Troy Williams. I he was probably the first one that I turned around and and kind of barked towards, and <laughs> I think he high fived me. Like Troy took it all in stride. Thank you, Troy. I appreciate that. You're one of the best racers to ever live. So uh, that was certainly no disrespect to you, but you know, when you told Luke just over and over and over that. Alabama couldn't win. It, I don't know. It just all come out right there. And like I said, it was really cool. Uh, I mean, I thought it was just freaking awesome that it come down to it right at the end and, and everybody had a shot or all these teams had a shot. So I, I do feel fortunate today and hats off to all of those states that come made it a reality and that, that showed up to Memphis and made it a heck of a show. Yeah, I agree. We'll dedicate much of this episode to memphis last weekend the great american bracket race the all-state challenge but just a couple of things i want to hit on in regards to this conversation number one you're right like the atmosphere was electric it was very cool not just the understanding that this is a big deal you know both competing in it and and watching it from me personally but as you mentioned to the team atmosphere and the I don't know, I used this word on a previous podcast, the, the civic pride. There's a lot that goes into that. It was neat. It was, a, it was a different experience than anything I've ever been a part of. Like you said, the only thing that could kind of compare to it is the bracket finals, but on a little bit different level, it felt like. So that was really cool. Yeah. Personally, my team, Team Illinois, I guess sort of like you and unlike you in certain ways, I was, uh, I was pretty humble throughout the process about Team Illinois outwardly. But uh, yep. I had a lot of faith in my guys, and I would take that team to bat if we did it all again tomorrow and honestly sure. expect much better results. Um, we didn't fare particularly well. A lot of that was on me. We had uh, we had a couple mechanical issues in round one. Myself and Kyle Riley both red in round two. Chad Isley gave the strike back a thousandth on a pretty winnable race. Brett and Jess carried the flag for us. Mm-hmm. made it to the semifinals each so we're rooting them on it was fun but again as you said like there's so many good teams uh, and i know it it sounds like rhetoric but i do think if you had that race over five times you'd probably have four or five different winners so no so doubt pretty neat stuff all the way around and i had a third point jed but i really don't remember what it was so maybe <laughs> we'll get to it a little bit later on but uh, no it was a lot of fun at at memphis our introductory segment's gone a little bit longer than uh, than we envisioned or than we typically go, but I thought it was good to get that out of the way first, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll circle back to it again. But, Jed, as usual, this time of the show, let's kind of stay along these same lines, and uh, and let's tell everybody who's hot. He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. Seabird Performance, Who's Hot? 
Seabrook Performance specializes in performance engine building for every aspect of sportsman drag racing, bracket racing, NHRA sportsman categories, heads-up categories, nitrous, turbo, and blower. Learn more at SeabrookPerformance.com. Luke, we got a hot driver to talk about this week. Yeah, we didn't have much debate this week. I don't really think we could go anywhere else. As I mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, I remember... Because it was just three weeks ago, was it Huntsville? And uh, Brad Plore yep. came by, and he was just kind of bemoaning his uh, luck and his the poor season that he had had to that point. hadn't had much yep. going his way. Just run over his dog. I mean, Brad was having a rough time, right? Yeah, that's true. All of that's true. Since that day, which is now four weeks ago, Brad was runner-up in a twenty thousand dollar race in a back half Nova, his car. Two red. Weeks. Yes, red, back half, no one. Yeah, there you go. There might be something to it. Yeah. Two weeks after that, he wins the U.S. Nationals in a buggy that goes low sixes with a blower in a class that he had raced a handful of times in his life in a car that he had made less than a dozen runs in. Right. Very impressive yeah. display. We talked Very. about it last week. Five or six days removed from that. He hops in another car that, at least to my knowledge, had never made a run in or very no. few runs in, if any, to run a class, Super Comp, that obviously he is no stranger to, but that, to my knowledge, he hasn't competed in in over a year. Yep. Against, I think dead on a year. Against 23 of the baddest dudes in the world. And Brad Plord is your All-State Super Comp, or 890, champion. So that trio... <laughs> that little run in three different cars, about the widest variety of cars and the widest variety of competition that you could imagine. You do that, and you deserve mention in the Seabrook Performance, Who's Hot? So even though Brad was our guest, the big interview a week ago, and all we do on the podcast this day, these days is talk about Brad Plord. How do we go anywhere else? Brad Plord is Who's Hot? Yes, he is on fire, Luke. The other wins you talked about, obviously, very impressive. The runner-up, the 20, the win, the U.S. Nationals, which was just amazing. But he drove Thursday morning. He drove from Holly Pond, Alabama, to meet Jonathan Anderson on the Alabama-Georgia line somewhere about halfway. No, it's not. It's the opposite direction. They met about halfway. He gets the dragster, takes it back to Bones' house, where they can put it in Bones' trailer and— Bones can bring it. He goes back to Holly Pine, which from Bones there is about 30 minutes, maybe 25. He gets his Nova and takes it. Has not competed since September of 16 in Super Comp. And then has to run Sherman Adcock. He has to run on the next round. I'm trying to remember. I, it wasn't Elrod. Elrod was the run after that. Yeah, that was semi, right? Yeah, it was semi. Danny Waters Jr. in the final, and then in between that, it was a, I can't remember now, I've lost track, but. It was somebody that doesn't suck, because it was I remember looking at the entry road. list, and yeah, that field was pretty stout. It was an extremely tough road, which I don't think there was an easy road for anybody in that field. It was ridiculous, but it was awesome, uh, awesome performance by him. His last point sealed the win for the Alabama Slammers. And then he got the uh, inaugural 890 win in the All-State Challenge to top off of an amazing few weeks for him. So congratulations, Brad Plourd, as our Seabrook Performance Who's Hot. 
Can we claim podcast bump there? I mean, I know we didn't Absolutely. have anything to do with the runner-up at Unsfiller the winner didn't. None of that matters. None of that matters. Good point. Good point. Yeah. We can claim podcast bump, and we will. That's right. Anybody else wants to be a guest, guarantee victory the next week, or the next time you go. <laughs> Come on, the podcast. <laughs> We're going to get back to Memphis. We'll circle back around. But first, let's talk about some results from the two NHRA races of the weekend. We had a Division One event up at Englishtown. We had a Division Five event in Earlville, Iowa. Let's start with E-Town, Big Jed. What happened up there? Who don't know that we're recording a podcast right now? I mean, this is not somebody in your circle. (laughs) Luke, there'll be a big story in this event that we'll talk about shortly. But uh, top dragster real quick was uh, Peter Fresina over Val DiGenova, the DiGenova family, having another successful outing there. Team Luke, Sandy Wilkins in top sportsman, gets to win over Joseph Heffernan. I haven't Uh, looked at the points yet. I would assume because I called it like two months ago. That Jeffrey Barker is safely in the lead in top sportsman, but Sandy's having a heck of a year. He's also team Luke as yeah. is Jeffrey. I don't know if he's even got like a mathematical shot to make it run. I should probably look at that before I talk to thousands of people on the podcast. But nonetheless, impressive performance by Sandy. I think I saw on Facebook that's his fourth top sportsman victory of the season. That's awesome. Yeah. Sandy is having a great year, and, um, you know, Jeffrey Barker's trying to wreck that, and it looks like he will. But uh, yeah, it's probably something you want to look into. Another red-hot driver in Supercomp uh, this time, Phil Smita, getting a win over Mike Robolato. Um, that's uh, Fetch's father-in-law, and for those that, that don't know Mr. Robolato. Yeah, uh, you said Smita, red-hot. That's three final rounds in Super Street within the last like month and a half. Now a win in 890 on top of that. So Yeah, he's on fire right now. Super Gas, a very familiar face. Jason <laughs> Kinney getting a win over Tom Goldman. A Super Street was Harry Corey. Over Mark, ooh, that one's tough on me. Mark P. Prox. <laughs> Mark P., that sounds good. Uh, Superstock, this guy, this guy's hurt me. Obviously, he wasn't on Team Jed and Superstock. It was stock before I eliminated him. But Joseph Santangelo, wherever you were and wherever you come back from, son, you are on fire. He gets the win over Paul Gunther. And in stock, Russell Linky with a win over Fred the bow that's what i'm guessing yeah and with all due respect to all of the winners from english town the story here as much as we hate to say it was john labouche jr this was his last event at which to claim points current leader in super comp and super gas national point standings failed to improve in english town and jed i don't know if you looked at the round by round results i did yeah it's uh no fault of little John's. He was double O every time he let go of the switch. He was double O every time he lost. Just wrong spot, wrong time at arguably. I mean, in the end, all of the races add up for points the same, but I'm sure this felt like the biggest race of the year for him, uh, knowing that it's his last opportunity to improve, knowing that his total, while it is huge in both Super Comp and Super Gas, is not safe in either category. I know he went into this race feeling like he had to go some rounds. Knowing Little John, he probably felt like he had to win. It didn't come together for him, but again, looking at the results, not really any fault of his own, just tough breaks. No, he drove really well. The opponents that beat him uh, made their best run of the weekend, what it looked like to me, Luke. And, um, you know, he, he had a real opportunity to improve and didn't. And unfortunately for him, there's some... Uh, really talented racers that have some opportunities behind him. And if they make the most of it, 
it could wreck what it looked to be an unbeatable season. So we'll see how it plays out. It's going to be exciting. Uh, appreciate John leaving it exciting for us to talk <laughs> about here on the podcast, but I know that's not what his intentions were. Yeah, no, and it's interesting because it, it brings up an interesting dynamic now. And without getting too into the numbers, like the basic question is, would you rather at this point have those points on the board like you have done, went and did it? Or would you rather have a higher ceiling? You know what I mean? You could be sure. like in Supercomp, would you rather be in Little John's shoes with a score? I think he's got 658 points that would historically win. Or would you rather be Austin Williams like five and a half rounds back with four races left to improve? Because I would argue like you want the potential, but there is something to be said for I've done gone out and won those five extra rounds. You know what I mean? And it, sure. especially knowing that you have to do it on command, Austin and all of those racers across the country that are in similar shoes, that's easy to look at on paper on your computer screen and go, well, he's just got to make the semis at one race. Do you realize yeah. how difficult it is to make the semis at a super Very. You know, in a normal, in a vacuum, much less when you know, and everybody knows that you have to make the semis to take the national points lead. Like, it's just a little bit different deal. And Chris Cannon's in the same boat in Supergas. Like, this thing, Little John, I'm sure, is not comfortable, and I'm not comfortable for him. But there's no telling how this is going to end up. Yeah. And, and as of right now, on September 12th, he is out of races, and he is a significant leader in both classes. So we will just see how the next six weeks go. Yeah, Luke, I, I would, if it was just one guy that looked like he had an opportunity, I'd rather post a number and good luck to him. But Little John doesn't have that luxury. Uh, there's a few behind him that know how to let go and they know how to run the other end and go 890 or whatever they need to go and they got a shot. So I think I would rather have the ceiling in this case. It's just going to be nerve wracking for him for a few weeks. Yeah, for all of you that are listening that are not math nerds like I am, don't worry. We'll keep you posted. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Luke, we had another Lucas Oil race at Earlville, Iowa. Uh, actually affected your Team Illinois uh, group at the All-State Challenge. I believe that's where Mr. Nick Folk had to go try to get after it. And, um, as you'll hear in the results, it didn't didn't go the way he needed it to, I don't guess. Yeah, but, knowing uh, what he knows now, Nick probably would have come to Memphis, but you can't know that. <laughs> no, you can't know that. That'd make it too easy on you. Top dragster winner was Al Peebler over Scott Cusey. Uh, top sportsman was Michael Freeshel over Terry Pope. These names, guys, you're killing me. Y'all got to get better names. You're going to be winning races and we talk about you on the podcast. Super comp was Don Nichols over John Medlin. Super gas was Kurt Potak over Dale Evans. Super Street You're was Matt Cole. on these names like you expect to yeah. the, My names have got question marks at the end. I mean, I'm not <laughs> I'm not nailing these at all. I'm struggling. Super Street was Matt Cole over Tony Leonard. Yeah, a little uh, note there, a little sidebar inside baseball. One round, it may have been the final. Matt Cole went 1090 with a zero at 159. In Super Street. <laughs> yes. Now, it's been a long time since I ran 1090. I guess I did a little bit of IHRA with my Vega about 10 years ago, but it's it's probably been 15 years ago I had my little Nova running IHRA 1090. That time, everybody said I was nuts. I dropped a 540 in that thing, and I went 1090 at like 140. 
and I chased everybody. That's not even like average anymore. No. And 1090 at 159, Jed, like I think my Corvette goes 480s when I ate my old bracket race it. Yeah. If I had to go on a stop long enough to run 1090, I don't think I would go over 160. And that thing weighs 2,100 pounds. The Super Street minimum is 2,800 pounds. You go 1090 at 159 in, like, I think that thing's a 57 Chevrolet. You got oh, some steam. Smoke. Yeah, that is rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that they were going 150 plus these days, the fast guys, but 159, that's ridiculous. And I don't know, I guess he was wide open, but there's a chance he even killed a little there, maybe. But uh, I want to put Big Red in Super Street one time. I think it'll go like 138, but. That's probably about right, yeah. It ain't going 159. No, no, it isn't. Not if I held it wide open for twice the long track. <laughs> Super stock loot was Michael Lund over Brett Spear. A couple of familiar faces there in the winner's circle. Stock was John Cooper over Ryan Munford. And I guess they had some junior racing there where little Al Peevler got the win over Scott. No, that's... Yeah, I think that's that a misprint because that looks like the yeah. final is top dragster. Sorry to the junior yeah. racers. We're going to skip over that. Yeah, not real sure what how should I should have proofread the show notes. That's on me. But Sportsman Motorcycle did get uh, contested in William Hometh over Kyle Olsen. And that was, boy, that was tough on me for the all name game. That was a rough group of winners, but congratulations to all of you guys. We teased it a little bit earlier, but this is the time of the show where we get to uh, dedicate some time and really dissect the Mosier Engineering Great American Bracket Race as well as the Scoggin Dickey All-State Race. We were both there, Jed. It was a big weekend in Memphis. I guess the easiest way or best way to go about this is to just go chronologically. So we'll start Thursday and kind of work our way through the weekend. How's that sound? That sounds great, Luke. Uh, I'm going to have to let you get Thursday's results. Uh, I didn't make it Thursday. And I need better friends. Turns out Bones either can't read the fuel gauge or don't know when you should put fuel in. But I didn't get to make it Thursday as a result. So you tell us what happened. I'm glad that made the podcast, Jed. That's good stuff. Oh. Yeah, I've been sitting on that one for a little while. <laughs> I'm feeling uh, you know, like a weight's been lifted off of me now. I feel a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> Thursday's action as it pertained to the racetrack was the American Race Cars Dragster Shootout, which is a race that Galen and Britt have uh, allowed me to put on, I believe, every year of the uh, Great American Bracket Race this year. It was no different. 32-car field, $1,000 entry fee. Not quite a complete rolling American Race Cars Dragster to the winner, but close. Wheels, tires, axles, brakes, center section, delay box tachometer and gauges from autometer shock radiator pretty nice piece plus some cash to the runner-up and to the semifinalist again 32 awesome racers duking it out for that when the dust settled there it was jojo joe gary taking that uh, taking that little american race cars dragster back to south carolina jojo defeated brian robinson in the final round it's actually a double red light final but joey with that uh, that par power he was a little bit quicker and let brian turn the red light on first Yep, JoJo getting a big win there. I saw a rabbit hauled it back for him. So that, that American race car is safe and sound back in South Carolina. And uh, I tell you, look, that was a really nice piece. I mean, for $1,000 investment and go win five rounds of racing, that's a heck of a prize. I saw you over there tinkering with it here and there throughout the weekend. I got to stop and look at it. And 
Boys in America built another really nice piece, and JoJo got a heck of a prize there. No doubt. Action Friday morning kicked off with the out-the-gate race, as we established a couple weeks ago. Not the out-of-the-gate race. That's the out-the-gate race. It is, uh, out-the-gate. It was one of your Alabama slammers picking up the first big check of the weekend. That was Alan Wickle getting the win over Tyler Bohannon. Yeah, when we recorded the show last, my top bulb dragster racer was still Timmy Smith. Right along in there, we had to make a change. Uh, Timmy couldn't make it, so we picked up Alan Wickle, and he started out the gate really strong. We're getting the win there over Tyler Bohannon, so great way to get my Slamas weekend started out. Friday went into the uh, 10 grander, Friday's 10 grand main event, which ended up spilling into Saturday. I had a ton of cars in Memphis last weekend, Big Jet. I heard 340 some odd entries. Yeah, I think it, I think it slipped over 350 wow. uh, in Friday's race. Yeah, and between the regular events and the Allstate portion of the show, it was a long day. It was a lot of racing. I ended up pulling the plug late Friday night into Saturday morning, finishing this race up on Saturday. But when it was all said and done, it was Jesse Bobo, who is no stranger to the Memphis Motor- Memphis International Raceway Winter Circle, getting the win over Chad Duke for that $10,000 prize. Yeah, the Bobo family from, I believe, down in Walnut, Mississippi, which is probably a good hour, hour and 20 minutes from Memphis, wins a lot of races in there. And Chad Duke, as I talked about earlier in the show, Red Hot, won the, well, we'll talk about that, but he ran it up to 10 grand. It was a pretty good Friday into Saturday for Chad Duke. Without question. Then Saturday, Luke, was the big show, $50,000 to win which is always uh really exciting to race for and you've got the all-state rounds two to completion happening on saturday as well and actually friday's race finished saturday so saturday was quite a busy day and that 50 grander was uh, a race that uh, you got to know really well yeah, I got down close. I got to sniff it, which is uh, nothing new to me in that, in that 50 grander. Winning it would be something new. But uh, that prize went to Chris Bear. Chris just mowed him down throughout the day. I think you would, you were on the mic to call it. Didn't he have back-to-back rounds where he was like 1,000 red, dead zero, and then 1,000 total or something crazy like that? Well, I only got to call the one. I don't remember what he was prior to that, but he was one total when I got to call, yes. Yeah, and that was pretty, I mean, obviously that's a stellar run, but he was laying down some pretty nasty stuff throughout the weekend. So kudos to Chris. He got the uh, final round nod over Ron Lane, someone, again, no stranger to the winner's circle, and who had actually won that race before just a few years ago. Ron was runner-up this time around. As you alluded to, I did get to three cars. That's not the story. Chris bears the story. But if you want to indulge me, I'll sob on your shoulder a little bit. Yeah, I think it's worth talking about. Obviously, Chris was the man of the hour, and I I know you're not looking to take away from that, but I was hanging out. I had been out since second round, a little tooth out red for me, so um, hanging out watching, and it did run late, but trying not to. I knew you were three-pack at uh, like 19 and got the bye the next round or something along in there. I knew you were driving well, and um, no offense to anybody, but you know you were you were my horse, you were my choice, and I'm your partner. I got, yeah, you was my partner, and you got close. <laughs> yeah, close. my my getter closer is working great. My finisher upper not so much, but no. Chris and I had an awesome race at three, both ten on the tree, both one thou under. I'm not really even certain like how they pick a winner in that instance, but it was him. <laughs> so then he came back, made a great run in the final. But uh, like I said before, a 
No surprise there. I don't win 50s. Never have. 0 for 4 in 50 grand finals, I think. And that got a few semifinal losses too. But particularly in this 50, like I've been to every one of these. When we had Galen on, this was the ninth annual Great American Bracket Race. I've been nine times. And I'm just looking through, like, this is going to, nobody's going to care. Like, people are going to tune out right now, right? Nobody cares. I get that. But this is therapeutic for me. 2009, (laughs) Brian Hughes won that race. I lost it five cars. 2010, Bones won. The year that Bones won, Jason Lynch and I were, like, swapping cars. Long story short, with five cars remaining, I was in twice, and Jason Lynch was in in my car. So we had three entries at five. Oh. At five. Bones beat me. Jason beat me. And then Jason lost to Bones in the final. So with three entries at five, we couldn't win that one. 2011, Tad Gates won. I drove the Oki Mobile, fancy, down to, to uh, nine cars, I believe, and lost to Bird Jones, who ran it up to Tad, if I remember correctly. 2012, mm. Gary Williams won. He beat a little black, Vega, little black Vega in the final that's out of commission this year. That was me. 2013, AJ Ash won. I lost to Dylan Bontrager at 10. 2014, Mark Murakami won. He beat me at three. Last oh my year, goodness. Slate won. I had two entries in at 15, laid down 16 total and 15 total within nine minutes of each other, and neither wind light came on. Oh my goodness. No, wait, wait, wait. I I'm did sorry. not know that. That was 2016 when Jeff Bobo won. I did lose to Slate, though. I don't think I did any good the year the Slate won. So there was one year out of the nine <laughs> that I wasn't a factor. Other than that, Shoot. I got my teeth wet, and I thought, ooh, I'm going to give me some of this just to have my. <laughs> hopes and dreams shattered so once again thanks chris bear appreciate it bud good work yeah. congratulations and uh okay rant over yeah and chris you know they had scheduled the um king of memphis race luke where uh, gina munt and the folks at munt music mm-hmm. uh, offered up a guitar a really nice piece for the winner of the king of memphis and we couldn't have it obviously with the the crowd size and everything that was going on so Chris got to get that. They, they decided to give it to the winner of the 50 well before the race was over. And Chris got to get that too. So that was uh, really neat to see him get that prize from Mont Music. And I bet just, that uh, thing looked right at home strapped around Chris's neck. And well, actually, Randy Shire was uh, holding it upside down like a left-handed player in the in the winner's circle. But uh, I'm sure <laughs> Chris has got a special place for it. Isn't that the way Jimi right. Hendrix played, though? Maybe he was just going Jimmy on us. You know, maybe he's as good as Jimmy, but not likely. <laughs> Chris was the man of the day, the man of the hour, and it was late, but there was a lot of fanfare around him, and it was it was great to watch a good guy in the sport get another big win. For sure. And then uh, on-track action, as far as the Great American Bracket Race portion of the event is concerned, wrapped up on Sunday with uh, Tim Butler, legendary. Can I call Tim a legend? He'd probably feel old if he, I called him that. You should call him a legend because yeah, he is. Absolutely. Got the win over Shane Carr in an all-Florida final. For those of you not familiar with Tim Butler, ask Gary and Troy. Tim Butler's the guy that kind of taught them how to race, along with their old man. Like, Butler's been doing this a long time and has been very good at this for a long time. Bad dude. Yeah, show doesn't get on the road a whole lot anymore, but to those that know, no surprise to see him in the winner's circle. Yeah, he was the bottom bulb representative for Florida in the All-State Challenge, and we know how talent-rich Florida is, and Tim was the choice and, you know, a a likely winner, a well-deserving win at that. You know, and Luke, they had uh, obviously had – Hurricane uh, Irma bearing down on their hometowns, both of these guys, Tim Butler and Shane Carr, while the race was going on. So pretty emotional day for them, final round appearance in the 10-grander. Fortunately, easy for me to say, Irma probably didn't do quite the devastation that 
it appeared that what they would do, but you know, I'm sure these guys have some challenges back at the house, and uh, it was great to see them go to the final together. All right, this is the part of the show where, once again, I'm going to hit mute. We're going to talk All-State Challenge results. I want you, as we go, to kind of give us a little blow-by-blow inside baseball, what had to happen points-wise. How did these uh, final rounds affect the overall point standings and the team championship? And you can go ahead and tell us, you know, your little, uh, that was a good one. Ooh, that was a bad one. You know, I mean, kind of go through it blow by blow here. <laughs> well, Luke, I will do my best to do that. Unfortunately, I was just trying to keep all the numbers in my head. I wasn't, I was watching so much race and I wasn't able to go to the tower and confirm anything. So felt like I had the numbers, but I'll tell you how I thought it was playing out anyway. But bottom bulb door car was uh, Pete Diagnolo. Pete making a long trip from New York and getting the win over uh, Opie Pierce from Mississippi there. So it was a nice win for Pete. Guy's been on fire. He's winning in everything this year. Yeah, he's so it's really between Brad Plord, John Labouche, and Pete Dagnolo, like it's their podcast. We talk about those guys every week. <laughs> yeah, we really do. It's list the way it's listed is not exactly how it played out on the racetrack, but top bulb door car was Chad Duke getting the win over Alabama Slammer Todd Bones Ewing, which was uh, Todd let it red there. And I liked up a his explanation short. of the final. I'm sure that you caught that at some point too, but Bones told me that he didn't let go too early. He let go on time. The tree just came on too late. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> he took that Langdon. That, that happened. Langdon went red. Langdon was the other racer that Brad had to race. I knew it'd come to me at some oh, point. Oh, yeah, that, that's right. That You're right. Plourd had to run at 890 and... Langdon went red. He said he let go on time starter, turned the tree on late. But but Bones did come up short there. But at that point, that was actually the last run of the All-State Challenge. and So that one was it, inconsequential to the point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would have never come up with a great word like that. But that's exactly what it was, I think. Uh, whatever <laughs> that means. Top bulb dragster was Josh Baker. And, man, my, my memory is not serving me very well right now. I can't remember Josh. He was Kentucky representative. Obviously, I can't remember who he got by. Somebody that's really good at racing. It would have been somebody really good. Yes, my apologies to them. But we were not a factor in Top Bulb Dragster. I know that Josh helped Team Kentucky get that, get close. So Yeah, and it was a couple of Team Kentucky cars in the final and almost a family affair. (laughs) Josh's wife, Erica, was in the final of the female class. Yeah. She lost to Madison Yates. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Erica was 1,000 thread, 1,000 thunder. But meanwhile, in the other lane, again, correct me if I'm wrong, Madison was perfect 1,000 thunder. I think that's what I heard, but I did not know those numbers for sure. Yeah, but, I was catching that second hand just going off what the announcer said, but I think that's right, and that's nasty. Yeah, there were two North Carolinas, two Kentuckys, and two Alabamas in the finals, and no state got more than one win. So that was that was good to see seven separate states get the wins. So when Josh won, that left Kentucky with an opportunity. If Erica beat Madison, then we had then Alabama had to win out. I believe is how it was playing out. Okay. So Madison got the win over Erica. But prior to that was when 890 had already run, and Brad got the win uh, over Danny Waters Jr., red-hot Danny Waters Jr. And that from, had to be a big round points-wise. You got Alabama versus North Carolina. 
that was a big round. Alabama was versus North Carolina in both finals. So either went out, it's going to be devastating for the other. Splitting them had to have a lot of things happen from the other states, and it did. Obviously, it worked out for us. But Madison got that win after Brad had won. So when she beat Kentucky, that secured, well, actually, a round coming up is what secured it. Superstock was Austin Williams in the stocker, stock superstock, excuse me, was Austin Williams in the stocker from Texas versus Scotty Stillings from uh, Indiana in his super stocker, which was, wow, that was really weird. I think Austin was dialed like 11, maybe low 11, and Scotty was 860, something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that's so. a pretty significant <clears throat> spot, huh? Yeah, you don't see that very often in those categories. So uh, Austin gets way out there, and then here comes Scotty in that hard-charging ride of his. And uh, Austin's win like, come on, which secured Alabama with no worse than a tie. If there was a tie, then they had the utility drivers come up mm-hmm. and race one another. So you had you on standby. Had he on standby, and he was like, am I going to have to come up right now? I said, yes, it's going to have to be right now. I, I didn't really know, but I just wanted him worried a little bit. <laughs> so, actually, I'm just messing this podcast all up. Actually, Scotty had already won, and Austin beat him. I mean, already run, and Austin beat him. That secured the tie. Then when Madison beat Erica, that left us with no way to lose. We we couldn't even tie. We had it won. Nick Hastings. So what you're telling me is that the the co-MVPs for Team Alabama were Austin Williams and Madison Yates. Absolutely. They were huge. You know, obviously, we we didn't do it on our own. They they helped us. So I don't know if they knew how I was going to act after we were guaranteed to win. They probably would have just taken the loss on purpose. But great racers, obviously, and helped us out. So thank you, Austin. Thank you, Madison. Nick Hastings. Got the utility win over John Siegel. Mm-hmm. Siegel lit it fourth out red. Nick uh, showed that he is, you know, maybe the best utility racer in the country. I know John's extremely talented too, but now, Nick did what we thought he would do. Lived up to the hype, at least in my eyes. Like that was the most exciting. The second most exciting thing behind watching the utility class was watching them draw the chips to see what those guys had to do next. <laughs> that was so cool. We went from, I know that round one was bottom ball, thousand foot. I think it was bottom ball, thousand foot. They had a couple yep. of eighth mile top ball rounds in there. The final was quarter mile top ball, correct? It was. was the I, final. I know it got I flipped think... around a bunch. It was fun to watch. And the one time that I was up there for the chip draw... Like they pulled out top bulb and you could just see this disappointment on everybody's face. Like, oh, man, that ain't no fun. You know, (laughs) you know, yeah, because it's funny you say that. I didn't realize and and Britt and Galen probably did a good job of letting us know it. And I just failed to pick it up. But I didn't realize if if they called it top bulb, you had to hit the top. They sent people to the line to make sure they sent watchers to the line to make sure if it was top, you hit the top. And obviously, if it's bottom, you're supposed to hit the bottom. But as it should be, yeah. Yeah, I was surprised that you had to hit the top, but you're right. It should have been that way because that's utility. That's what you're supposed to do. So it was really neat to watch that play out, and I'm I'm pretty sure you're right that it was uh it was top bulb quarter mile in the the final. And this was very literally like we came to the staging lanes, sat at the back of the lanes, and pulled these chips. So these guys very literally had 
20 minutes or less to devise a game plan is when you came to the station, you had no idea what distance you were going and what ball you were staring at. Like it yeah. was utility in every sense of the word. You to, to win that race as Nick Hastings did, or even to make the final as Siegel did, you had to be capable of doing a little bit of everything. And uh, it was fun. It was a lot of fun to watch. And like I said, I've said for months coming in, like that's the coolest class of the event just for those reasons. And it, it was, it had to have been a ball to compete in because it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, you were right. And they got their two time shots on Friday, obviously quarter mile. So you've got all your incrementals. You know, if you're running thousand, what it ran to the thousand, you know, if you're running quarter or course eight. So those guys had everything they needed numbers wise at their disposal. And you draw the chip and see where you fall. So uh, Nick with a with a really big win there was proud to see that. So that left again the final run in top bulb door car where it was Chad Duke who was at the time, still had not run the final round of the 10K. All of that's finishing together. So the, you've got the final of the 10K still hanging in the balance. Chad is just basically round-tracking this thing at this point. And he's got Bones. Bones goes red to him. Chad comes back around and runners up the, the 10 grander. So he won the $10,000 purse in the All-State Challenge and then runnered up the 10 grander just right behind it. So really good day. For Chad, and when it all shook out, uh, Alabama was a one-point victor, which obviously made me very excited and proud. Want to, you know, give a shout out again to my Slammers. They had a had a really, really good day at the racetrack. My man Adam Davis did come up short in round one, but six or seven going through to round two really was a crucial thing for us. And getting it done was uh, was cool, but Indiana. Kentucky, North Carolina, all of those breathing down our neck. And, you know, one little shift here or there in the race, Luke, I think they all three tied for second, if I remember correctly. But all of that was so exciting and, and anybody could win. And we were fortunate to, to come out on top. Yeah, I guess. Uh, is, is that enough? Is that your, I mean, that, that well, wasn't as animated as I expected yet. I figured. Well, you know, I mean, I, Luke, I just, uh, again, I'm, I don't want to be that guy. I mean, yeah, I told the world Alabama was going to win. I mean, really? I mean, did anybody really not think Alabama was going to win? I mean, <laughs> if you just want me to say it, Luke, I'm going to say it. How could anybody not think Alabama was going to Did we not look at the rosters? Did we not talk about it enough on the podcast? Is it our fault because we didn't highlight Alabama enough? I mean, my goodness. This was easy slam dunk. We come up a little shorter than we should have. Should have won this thing before five rounds. <laughs> okay. Disappointed now the hate in your mail. performance. <laughs> at the end of this, at the end of the show, we'll give you our Twitter handle and all that, so y'all just wear me out. Uh, <laughs> just off. for the show notes, we tried to uh, reach out to Cody Harger. He was unavailable for comment. <laughs> That's actually not true. I know Cody would come on here if we asked him to. He handled this like a champ, and I think you said it best, Jed. If if more of our team captains were more like Cody, this would have been even more fun. Yeah, Cody uh, was bold. He was uh, confident in his team, as he should have been, because they are, <laughs> I mean, amazing, that whole group. And Cody got really caught up in trying to help Slate and Britt and Galen keep everything organized in the lanes. Bless his heart, he didn't even get to watch a lot of his teams racing. He was running crazy, trying to race, too. So shout out to Cody for being a worthy opponent it was a, a fun battle and he did take his uh 
take his lumps uh, well. So proud of you, Cody. I'm also proud that we wore you out and you didn't even have a chance of winning. I mean, there was no point in you even watching late in the race because we had you had Louisiana destroyed. But that's a good group of racers, and I'm sure they'll come back strong next year. All right, that's official. That what you wanted? That's exactly what I was going for. I'm glad I could get that out of you, Jed. Why don't you tell us a little bit about racing RVs? All right, racing RVs is heavily involved in sportsman drag racing, guys. They headline the NHRA Top Dragster and Top Sportsman Series. They sponsor all of the SFG Promotions events, including the World Series of Bracket Racing, the Super Bowl of Bracket Racing, and the Powerball event. Racing RV sponsors racers including Austin Williams, Disco Dean Carnes, and our own Luke Bogacki. And they present this podcast that you're listening to. In short, Racing RVs is invested in sportsman drag racing. So when the time comes for you to make an investment in your own RV or trailer, we encourage you to support the company that supports sportsman drag racing, and that's Racing RVs. They do it all, guys. New coaches, used units, financing, trade-ins, consignments, you name it, and they can take care of you. Visit them online at RacingRVs.com. If you followed or participated in the Off-Season Practice Tree Challenge, which was a group that we put together on Facebook in February, I believe, you know that I am a huge advocate of routine practice. And the best way to do that, to get the most out of it, is to practice on a real LED tree in your own race car using your own pedals and or buttons. Porta Tree makes doing all of that easy. Their new Eliminator next-gen practice tree has more relevant features than any other tree on the market, and its touchscreen makes it easy to use. The next-gen is compatible with both the Portatree National Event Tree and the Portatree Mini. Best of all, Portatree offers vehicle connections that allow you to easily plug these devices into your race car, so you can use your own button, even your own delay box. For more information, call Portatree at 1-800-541-7613. When you do, be sure to mention promo code drag pod 10 which will give you 10 percent off any portatory orders through the month of october all right luke uh, that is enough of the racing results for this week now it's time to talk about our feature race of this week's podcast and that is the final weekend for the drag race results ultimate series at huntsville dragway coming up towards the end of the month. $20,000 to win Friday. $50,000 to win Saturday. $20,000 to win Sunday, all for a low weekend entry fee of 695 bucks. Yeah, it's, uh, as we talked about, it's the third race of a three-race series. Obviously, March had challenge, had some weather challenges. Uh, they managed to, to get as much done as you could possibly get done. And then we had the hottest fire event from... June that got moved to last month. It was very hot at Huntsville Dragway, amazing racetrack. They kept it intact and it was some great racing. And now we're going to settle the score for the largest points fund in sportsman racing or especially bracket racing. This is uh, these guys, uh, Scott and Nicole and Megan and everybody involved with Huntsville Dragway and the DRR Ultimate Series have put together an amazing points fund, which you are very familiar with as last year's number one and two winner. But it's it's going to settle out this weekend. There's a lot of people with a shot. Like, Yeah, just as you alluded to, to, to recap, not only is it a great weekend, if you haven't been to the March or the August race and you have are not 
a factor in this points chase at all. Like, there's still reason to be at Huntsville. It's still a great purse for a very fair entry fee, and it's going to be an... As you know, uh, you always brag on on TT and Scott and Nicole. It, it is a great competition atmosphere. People that take care of you, care about what they're doing, give everybody a fair shake. It, it's a very enjoyable series to be a part of. But as this is the last race of the 2017 series, the points are shaken down, and these guys, us guys, are racing for some major stuff. As you mentioned, first place. A rolling 2017 American Race Cars Dragster painted, put together. It's basically a complete roller waiting on a motor and transmission. $37,000 value. Second place, Oakley Motorsports 598 cubic inch engine, complete carb to pan. $19,000 value. I mean, you think, well, it's going to drop off like a cliff after that, right? Third place, set of Brodix SR20 heads. $6,500 value. Scroll on down. Tenth place. Tenth. A bruisey racing torque converter, eight inch, nine inch, whatever you want, twelve hundred dollar value. Yeah. Scroll on down to twenty third place, five hundred dollar K and R performance gift certificate, five hundred bucks to lose twenty third. Pays back a hundred spots, like the last twenty five are all hundred dollar Jake's gift certificates. Like it's something of value to finish anywhere in the top one hundred. And this thing, as you would expect. Like you mentioned, there's just one race in in March, so there's only been four races completed in the series to date. There's three more to go. That makes for a wide-open points championship. Yeah. Wes May is in the lead, if you've ever heard of that kid. right? <laughs> Pretty decent little racer. Uh, I think he drives a little ways to Huntsville from Indianapolis area. But his lead is far from safe. He is less than a round ahead of both Tommy Plott and Bo Boatner. As you look down the list, it is literally a who's who of big dollar bracket racing littering the top, and not just the top 10 or 20, it's probably the top 100, but I guess we just go through the top 10 right now. West May, Tommy Plott, Bo Boatner, Mike Bloomfield Jr., Peeps Pennington, Aaron Vale, Roy St. Dennis, Mike Smith, Brad Clark, and oh, once again, Mike Bloomfield Jr. has two entries into the top 10, and you scroll down like... I'll single myself out, Jed. I am in 26th place, tied for 22nd. I'm a win away. I am 92 points out of the lead. So if West May lost first round and I won the Friday event, I could be tied for the lead. Now, there's 25 people in between us that probably have something to say about that. But in theory, that's how wide open this is. Like, I, I think anybody in the top 50 could probably look at this and say, well, if I got hot and had a big weekend, like I could have a big, big weekend here. Yeah, Luke, as you mentioned, the points are the points. And typically when there's points involved in series or, or things like that, you, you kind of get to where you have to go and the points are really all you're going for. Well, the point series is absolutely wonderful and it's amazing. But if you, like you said, if you don't have an opportunity in the points, there's so many more reasons to go to this event. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, and, you could just go race for 50 grand. Yeah, you could race for 90 <laughs> grand, actually. And, you know, you've got Champs Performance warm-up race on Thursday. You've got uh, the Duck Races, APD and Hoosier, where you can win carburetors and tires. A lot of fun stuff around the event. It's an amazing place to race. I know I mentioned things like this when I'm talking about event previews, but it matters to me. The concession stand is phenomenal. The bathrooms are clean. They're air conditioned. People shake your hand. People smile at you. They work with you. They care about you. They care about your experience. Obviously, Scott, Nicole, Megan, 
smiling faces. You get big chocolate chip cookies sometimes at the ticket booth. It, it really every is. Every time. Every Sunday morning. <laughs> every Sunday morning. Okay, that's when it is. So, you know, there's tons of reasons to go come to Huntsville, wrap up your season with a major win. There's tons of fanfare around winning DRR event. You know, you've beaten great racers. You've won something special. You get a lot of recognition and notoriety for that. So come on down and enjoy yourself in Huntsville, Alabama for the, the third DRR race. You will not regret it. Yeah, absolutely. September 22nd through 24th. So as most of you are listening to this, that is a week and a half away. Make plans. Make it to Huntsville. It's going to be great. Jed, we have put off this uh, racing answers segment for like a month. I think we're going to put it off one more time, but uh, let's go ahead and, and hold ourselves accountable. We'll get to this next week. Uh, yes. Hashtag racing answers. Uh, I know we've done this segment a handful of times on the show. If you guys have anything that you want us to talk about, questions about racing strategy, philosophy, game plan, car setup, reaction time finish line whatever give us some ideas give us some direction where to go we will dedicate a segment of next week's show to this thing should slow down a little bit we'll also talk about the ihra points chase next week as it leads up to their series finale up at dragway 42 so you ihra racers don't want you to think that we're putting you off we just want to make a big build up the week of so we will talk about that next week Jed, I think that will wrap up episode 43 we have kept everyone here longer than we intended to which is par for the course for standard <laughs> but we would like to say thank you to our sponsors portatree secret performance racing rvs as always thanks to pj north every tune that you hear on the sportsman drag racing podcast comes courtesy of pj he also does our drops for us you can find more of his work on itunes and special thanks as always to our assistant mark romeo for his help if you've got ideas for the show you can message us we are the sportsman drag racing podcast on facebook or you can contact Mark directly. Once again, we are bringing you the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast 52 weeks out of the calendar year, so be sure to check us out. We try to uh, have these shows uploaded by noontime every Wednesday. Yeah, and Luke, uh, as you mentioned, you know, subscribe and go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe. That's how you get the little purple app on your smartphone and you get notified when their podcast has been released. You get the red number. You just click right on it and listen before everybody else. So it's really easy. It's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you find yours. Look up the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed and uh, get hit the subscribe button. You'll be ready to go every time we release a show. Uh, tell your friends. Make sure you tell your friends. We know that's how the show is continuing to grow. An event as big as Luke and I attended this weekend, there's a lot of people there and heard a ton of talk about the podcast. Luke, I'm sure you did too, but I want to thank just everybody for listening. You might have been, I was talked to by guys that were 75, guys that were 25. I know there's junior racers listening, so sound like it's getting a lot of interest out there and we appreciate it. So keep telling your friends about it and get your track involved. I know Jeff Shumway sent us message on our facebook page about his track playing they were playing the podcast during that Luke, did you see that message i did not okay well they're they're playing it and i am unprepared a little bit but it's uh wild horse pass dragway okay. is that that's out in uh, phoenix correct 
in Phoenix. Yeah, I thought I, I thought I had it right, Wild Horse Pass. But appreciate that. Appreciate you guys listening to us out there at Wild Horse Pass, and uh, we hope to get more and more tracks involved. And yeah, I had certainly, a listener come to me this week and say that we were broadcast over the PA at Tri-State Raceway up in Earlville, Iowa, at a Stock Super Stock Association event a couple weeks ago. Awesome. So shout out to Tri-State as well. Yeah, shout out. So we want to shout out to your track too. So let us know when you're listening. Don't keep it a secret. And uh, make sure that you send us some kind of message and let us know so we can get you some recognition for doing that. We appreciate you guys very much that are out there doing it. And guys, be sure to join our Facebook community. That's Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast on Facebook. Touch base with us there. You can touch base with us on Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. And I am at JP11X. Seeing more. I wasn't a Twitter guy. I had a Twitter handle, but I wasn't a Twitter guy prior to the podcast. But I see that that's a great form of communication and reaching out to folks through social media. So I'm enjoying the Twitter stuff. Thank you guys for including me when you do. And I know that I uh, ticked some people off with my Alabama rant earlier. So let me have it. I'm looking forward to it. I can take it. I'm a big boy, a really big boy. So I, send it on. I don't think you're going to get added a bunch this week, Jed. I think everybody <laughs> outside Alabama is just going to eat a little bit of crow. You'll get this back come, you know, December, something like that. We, we start sure. ramping up for 2018. You're going to do this all over again. But for right now, I think uh, I think you've shut everybody up. Or should I say your team has shut everybody up? Yeah, I really didn't do anything but pick them. So I'm taking a lot of credit for something I didn't have much part in. That was the best part of the All-State Challenge from RN because you, you gave us a lot of credit earlier in the show about basically creating this format. What was awesome about it is I, we got a lot of compliments. I know I did. I assume you did too throughout the weekend as to, man, this yeah. was such a great idea. And it was awesome because I felt like we could take all of the credit and we didn't have to do any of the work. So shout out <laughs> yeah, to Britt and Galen for taking one for the team there. I know that uh, that you guys came out on top too, but you put in a whole lot more effort to this than we did, but we were glad to be a part of it. Yeah, no doubt. Thank you for letting us be involved. And uh, anybody that gave us credit really didn't know how little we had to do with it, but we appreciate it nonetheless. Guys, that wraps us up. Again, look forward to hearing back from you on our Facebook page and uh, through Twitter and or through Twitter. So reach out to us. Let us know what's happening out there. Thank you for listening. And I got to say it, Luke. Go slam us. Yeah, nice work, Big Jed. Nice work. Good show, clean show, no bloopers. Sorry, Bones. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say there was none. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Pennington. I was in my truck just to try my luck. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect. Led by knowledgeable instructors and 
surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.